Hey guys, it's your host, Rachel. Um, I wanted to, before we start, take the time out to thank all of you for supporting the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, we are literally um, in our sixth month um, of the podcast. I started the podcast back in December of last year. And, um, I just want to thank all of you for tuning in. Um, if you are somebody is an OG and has been here from the very beginning, or if you are somebody that, um, is new and is just starting to listen to the podcast, either way, no matter what, I appreciate all of you, um, and wanted to, um, just thank you guys. So, um, yeah, that's it from me. Uh, so without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wipe Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill. And today we have a special guest with us. Uh, She is a driver in the Mazda MX-5 Cup Series this year as a rookie. And also um, she is actually going to be in the IMSA Driver Development Program. Um, So welcome, Heather Hadley. Hi, Heather. Hi, thank you so much for having me on, Rachel. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, not a problem. I'm glad you were able to uh, make time out of your very busy schedule because, I mean, even though obviously you're doing the MX5 series this year, you're going to be doing the IMSA driver development program. You're also a college student as well. And so, like, you're trying to balance, like, all these things at one time. So, yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you were able to make time out of your very busy schedule. <laughs> of course, I'm glad glad I could make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so um, obviously, you've been racing for quite some time. I mean, you've been racing since you were since you were a kid. So was that always something that you wanted to do since you were a child? Like, did you grow up in a family that was into racing, or did or was this just something that you just saw and you were like, Hey, I want to do this. Yeah. It was like one of those things, I guess I just stumbled upon. And I, once I did, I, I realized how amazing the sport is and how much I, I love it. And I just kind of connected with it. So I went from there, but before that, my, my family and I both had very, very little knowledge about racing in general. Uh, And we were not like race fans or anything. So our, (laughs) our lives basically changed completely uh ever since i was nine and stumbled upon racing so yeah it's been a big big change yeah um and i mean hey it's like you're you're literally living your dream i mean because obviously you started at nine and you're 21 now and so i mean you've been you've still been doing it for quite some years and obviously you had to juggle school you know even as a child 
you know, doing racing and stuff. So how is that going for you now? Like, I mean, with you being a college student, I'm sure you, you, you have a little bit more flexibility with like when you go to class and stuff, but I mean, um, I mean, is it where, you know, they're more understanding of, you know, when you have to miss and things like that. So. Yeah, it's, um, I guess it's a, a life balance that I've, uh, been used to for, more than half my life now, <laughs> like you mentioned, since <laughs> from nine to 21. So I've been um, basically having to juggle racing with school um, for that long. And so I've learned some ways that I can, you know, time manage or uh, get around certain things. I, I think some some professors are understanding. And uh, if I think if you just openly communicate with with them, they will um, appreciate that and try to work with you. So yeah, it's, um, uh, it's an interesting experience, but I've, I've learned, I think, uh, how to mostly deal with it with the, you know, the balance of the two. Um, and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't ask for a different way to live <laughs> my life. So <laughs> pretty much perfect, a perfect setup for me. Yeah. And I, I mean, like you said, you've been doing this for so long, like it's almost become like a routine for you, like to balance school and, and racing. So obviously you don't have very much time left, um, with college. So after that, like, I mean, are you thinking about going into the corporate world and then, and trying to race on the weekends, or you think you might like try to do the racing thing full time and just have, you know, that degree as a backup. Yeah. I mean, I have my, my sort of academic plan of, uh, what I, what I think I want to do. Um, I'm, I'm majoring in accounting. So ideally I would get my CPA license and, um, maybe even get a master's, uh, you know, that would be kind of the, uh, the ideal situation for if I were to go into accounting. Um, but yeah, racing definitely complicates things in a good way. Um, and a lot of, uh, good things have happened recently. And so I'm just kind of waiting to see where, where all this goes. And, um, I guess I'll kind of figure it out when I get there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and you're young, like, I mean, even if you, you know, graduated and then just took some time and just, you know, raced for a while. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I think I want to just go back to racing on the weekends. And I just, you know, work during the week. Like, I mean, so yeah, you have plenty of time to like figure out what you want to do. So obviously you started in karting and legend cars. So, so what made you like jump to, you know, the MX five series? Like what made you want to make that transition? Yeah. Um, that was, a an interesting choice, I think, because I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina at 18, uh, for the purpose of going in a direction of NASCAR. And mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people were kind of surprised when I went in this completely uh, road course direction, um, the MX-5 Cup Series. Um, but I had I'd done a lot of research on the series and I found some similarities between Legend Cars and the MX-5 Cup car. And um, I think with my like skill sets in terms of circle track racing and road course racing, I think I am just a little bit better on the road course side of things. And so I think realistically, if I were to go, you know, one direction or the other, it, 
it was just, it seemed like the better decision. Um, and then of course things just worked out at the MX5 Cup shootout, which obviously we didn't uh, plan for, but when it happened, it, it definitely made things easier. It made that decision easier. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it worked. So, you know, let me <laughs> stick with it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I mean, but like you mentioned, it's like, you know, you, you mentioned that it was very similar to the legend cars and it's like, if you're familiar with it, like if it's something that's, you know, pretty similar, yeah, it's a little bit easier for you to transition into. It's not like you're going into this completely blind. Um, because you know, anybody that races when you leave a certain car that you're very familiar with and then you go to something that you have no idea how to drive you know you have to really like try to unlearn a lot of bad habits right think you know and different things that you did in that car that you can't do in that in the in the other car and if it's something that's still a little similar, it makes it easier for you to transition into. And so, no, I think what you what you said is a great thing that you kind of went something with something that made you more comfortable. And it wasn't like a huge transition where, like, it, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you're just kind of like doing it by the seat of your pants and just hoping that you can, you know, be competitive in it. But I mean, this make, made it a little bit easier for you to be able to, you know, really do something with the car. So, yeah, I know that they do have some some differences, that's for mm -hmm. sure. But when I was uh, just doing research on the car in general, I was like, oh, they have a sequential gearbox. The Legend car is a sequential gearbox. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the racing seemed very similar in terms of like the close racing and um, everyone is, is sort of in an equal playing field uh, for the most part. And that also kind of, you know, was a similarity between legend cars. And so, um, yeah, but I'm also, I'm also learning in this process that there are a lot of differences as well. So, uh, you know, things that I've kind of uncovered uh, <laughs> that weren't so obvious, um, you know, but, but that's the whole, that's the whole learning process. So. Yeah. And it's your, like, and like you, you know, you said, this is your rookie season. I mean, you can't expect to be 100% perfect either. I mean, you know, it's your first time in this car. So you're still trying to learn. Um, and I mean, you'll get better, you know, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's, it's a, just a learning curve. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like, Hey, if you get a podium, you get a podium. If you don't, you don't. Right. But, um, I mean, the, yeah, this year is really just for you to be able to learn and, you know, figure out, you know, what, what works for you and, you know, how the car, you know, how you're able to, you know, maneuver the car, you know, your driving style, all of that is going to, you know, come into play. And yeah, I mean, um, and I think the biggest thing is that, and my, my husband's kind of the same way because when he was a rookie in late models, because he came from a sprint car. That's two totally different types of cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> he had to unlearn a lot of things. And he was so hard on him on himself his rookie season. And he's like, I don't understand why, like, I can't drive this car. Like, I was so good in the sprint car. Like, and, and, and that's what I told him. I said, that was actually part of your problem is because you were so good at sprint cars because you did it for so long that you're going into a car you know nothing about 
and you're expecting to just, you know, go out there and be able to podium every time, which he did in the sprint car. Like my husband never had lower than a top five in a sprint car. And so yeah. it's like, we, well, and I mean, he grew up racing sprint cars. His dad was a sprint car driver. So, I mean, like it's in his blood. He <laughs> like he lived that. Uh, but it's, but it's the same thing. It's like, you're expecting to take all of that experience and put it into a car that you know nothing about, <laughs> you know, and you right. can't, you can't expect to like podium right away. And yeah, it's like, that's why I like when people are like, oh, you know, I haven't done that good. My rookie season, you know, I'm like, you're not supposed to. Like if you're going out there and I mean, you're literally kicking ass every week and you just got into this car, then that means that that car is too simple for you. You know, like, I mean, you know, if mm -hmm. especially it's a car that you've never been in, that means that you need something a little more challenging. Um, so yeah, now, right. like, you know, you want a challenge. You don't want something that's that simple, you know, um, mm -hmm. but then you get bored, you'll get bored with it eventually yeah and you gotta <laughs> so, move on <laughs> right. you want to move on to something else so that mm -hmm. th and that's that's why i told him i'm like you you know don't feel bad that you're like placing you know you're but you're still placing in the top 10 i mean that's still something you know for your rookie season like there was nothing wrong with that now yeah it's gotten a lot better and then and it's like oh okay well yeah i could do better now because you're in better equipment you're doing, you know, you're doing better. And yeah, that's why like your rookie season is always just, it's just one of those things. It's like, Hey, if we podium, we podium, if we don't, we don't, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, I think honestly, you're also going into the EMSA driver development program too, which is huge. Cause that's not an easy feat to do. I mean, you know, I, I've heard about it. Um, so from, um, Sabri cook, she was in it. Um, and we had talked about it on the podcast and yeah, that's not some little thing. So congratulations. I mean, that's an amazing thing that you're able to do. So, um, so yeah, so go, go into like, so how, how do they pick you? Like, like, how does that work? How does the process work? Well, you apply, um, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure how many people applied, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, they just kind of look at your your skills on track, um, mm -hmm. and then they also look at your um, kind of promising abilities and whether you've raced at IMSA events and whether you're planning on racing at, at IMSA events in the coming years. Um, and yeah, I guess that's that's the, i guess that's the criteria they never really told <laughs> told us but that's what i assume is, is the criteria right yeah so so um because i'm 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 only familiar with like with the nascar drive for diversity program like how they go about doing it because it, it's been talked about multiple times on the podcast so, um, so I mean, I'm not sure how, M you know, how IMSA does it, but like, are you guys pretty much, um, having to, is it like more like a competition where you're having to like go against other drivers or is it just more of like, um, I don't know, more like almost like a performance, uh, base school type thing. I, I didn't know how that one works. So. 
Yeah, so essentially it's a set of modules where they teach us um, some critical aspects of, of motorsports that don't just involve your kind of on-track um, prowess. They teach us uh, things like interview skills, uh, social media skills, um, and they have an entire aspect about building a business case for next year and for 2025. And they help you through that process and uh, they get all the drivers involved in the paddock, kind of talking to to the teams that they you know might be potentially involved with for, for 2024 and 2025. And uh, yeah, so they, they kind of, they help in a, a multitude of ways, um, kind of develop every single driver to be a better, version of themselves, not just, you know, a racing driver, but a person um, better than, you know, as they started, basically. Um, and I think that the, the biggest decision as to who wins the actual scholarship is the the business case for uh, next year in 2025. Um, and so, and that will be decided by September. So. It's kind oh. of a long, it's a long process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. But I do like that they obviously are helping you build like a personal brand as well. Like they're teaching you guys about how to interview, how to do social media, you know, more of the business aspect. Because I think that, I think that's something that a lot of drivers, they don't really get that type of, you know, they don't really get that type of schooling by people, you know, like they have to kind of figure that out on their own unless they're in a, you know, major racing organization like EMSA or NASCAR or, you know, anything like that. Um, the Absolutely. rest have to pretty much learn that on their own. And I think that's where there's a major gap in the motorsports community because, you know, especially yes. like smaller, like local drivers, right. That don't have that type of, um, development, like they, you know, they didn't take classes. They, you know, they have to just kind of figure it out as they go. I think that's where there's a major disconnect because that's why a lot of them tend to not move up because they don't really have those, that skill set. Um, and they have to kind of figure that out on their own. So, yeah. Um, and I, I like that IMSA is doing that you know, for you guys, because that is, that, that's something crucial that anybody really needs to have, no matter what you do, even if you're going into the corporate world or whatever, that your personal brand is very important. And a lot of people don't, you know, don't really know, um, how to do that. You know, they don't really know how to, um, be that body in a room to network and do those type of things to be able to build their own personal brand. So like, I think that's amazing that they're teaching you guys that stuff. So. Because yeah. It, um, I was just in, yeah, it is. I, I was just in Indiana uh, talking to um, a bunch of high school girls with Della Pena Motorsports Next Gen Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and these girls were kind of interested in motorsports um, and they're, they're high school students and, you know, they're, they're looking to get involved. Some of them want to become racing drivers and they don't know how. And I remember like one of the, the main things that I just kind of reiterated to them is that if you want to be 
a race car driver nowadays, it doesn't just involve talent on the track. That's actually mm-hmm. a very small percentage of um, what is what is needed of a race car driver nowadays. I, I think that's majorly overlooked, um, and and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, is you have to you know you have to be skilled in so many different different areas, and that's actually one of the reasons that I picked accounting um, to to study in college is because I knew that that's another important aspect of, of racing and sports in general. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, some, something that I've definitely had to learn as well, you know, in my, uh, 12 years of racing now, um, it, you know, cause I just got into, it, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to do this, you know, I want to drive, I want to drive cars and then slowly realize I have to find sponsorship and right. I have to build my brand and, and, so many things that I just hadn't thought about before. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, um, especially when you start out really young, if you don't have parents that know all of that, right. Then that makes it difficult too, right. because it's like, you know, if they don't know <laughs> how to build pr- practically build a business, because that's literally what they're having to do is pretty much build a business for their child, <laughs> you know, then it makes it difficult yeah. as well. So yeah, um, and you taking that opportunity to go to college and learn accounting, which yeah, you would think, you know, people might be like, well, what does accounting have to ha- do with anything racing related? But like you mentioned, sponsorships, you also have to pretty much run a business. So you need to know what your cash flow is, right? And like, if you're <laughs> overspending or underspending or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean that, cause your financial statements is what make or break you in a business anyway. So I mean, you know, right. so yeah, I mean, there's yeah, so many think, things you need yeah. to know. Yeah, I, I heard somebody told me a few years ago, he said, racing is a business, not a sport. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've just kept that <laughs> kept that with me since then. Yeah, especially if you're going to do it full time. Like if you're doing it for a hobby, eh, you know, not really, but you still, have to, you still have to watch how much money you're spending, right? Because I mean, it's like if you're, if you're spending more money than what you're bringing in every month, you know, obviously that can hurt you and you're not going to be able to race for a while. But, um, but yeah, especially if you're going to plan on doing it as a full-time career, you really have to watch that and you really have to, you know, make sure that sponsorship wise that you have enough funding coming in and also that you're keeping those sponsors happy because obviously, you know, if they're not getting their return on investment, they're going to drop you. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, (laughs) and that's a a lot of things that a lot of people don't think about. Like there's a lot of networking involved. There's a lot of selling yourself. Like you have to be a very good salesperson, but you're selling you, you know, instead of like an actual product, you are the product. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize that it's like it, it's way more complicated, like you mentioned. And I'm glad that Emza is really like pushing that because a lot of people have no idea that that's what you have to do to be a successful race car mm-hmm. driver. You have to be able to mm-hmm. sell yourself, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 
obviously, like you said, it's, it's a long process, but I mean, it's going to help you, you know, for the future, no matter what. Um, because I mean, there's so many people that go through these development programs, whether it's IMSA or NASCAR or, you know, whatever one other ones they have, you know, F1 Academy, all these. And yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever, you have to really sell yourself because of social media, you know, like Mm -hmm. it, it makes it, it makes it where you have to like really, uh, put yourself out there and make yourself known. Um, and so I think social Mm -hmm. media really pushes, you know, makes people really, you know, do, do the whole brand awareness thing. Um, yeah, but I think it makes it easier too, because when you didn't have social media, it was a lot harder for you to sell yourself. It was a lot harder for you to really, um, reach people outside of where you lived. Right. So I think that Mm -hmm. that has also helped a lot of drivers now because they can get more of a, like even some of them get more of like a global reach with fans and things like that compared to what you could have done even 10, 20 years ago. So yeah, I, I'm like, it helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Social media, especially like LinkedIn, uh, just the ability to, to reach out and talk to people, um, you know, from the comfort of your home. <laughs> and we're talking like, like marketing directors and, and you know, important uh, people, part of the company who, you know, are the people you're trying to talk to about sponsorship or, or whatever it may be like the just the access is really um it's just, it's all there. And so mm-hmm. I think it's like learning what to do with that, you know, uh, and taking right. advantage of it for sure. Yeah. And, and that's another thing too, like LinkedIn. Um, a lot of people don't think about that. Like going on LinkedIn, like you can get in touch with so many people, you know, from different, mm-hmm. from different, you know, different businesses within motorsports community. Um, I, I guess like a lot of people don't really think about it because LinkedIn was really pushed, you know, more to be like a recruitment thing, like for jobs and things like that. But Mm -hmm. there's a huge, you know, opportunity for networking on LinkedIn that a lot of people don't think about. So, yeah. And especially when it comes to like sponsorships, like LinkedIn is like a place that you should be on, you know, um, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know like everybody kind of tries to stick to like Instagram and TikTok and things like that. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, like the people that are going to pretty much be sponsoring you, like the people that you want money from for your, for your car, they're not really going to be on Instagram and TikTok. They're really going to be like on LinkedIn and things like that. And so it's like, you kind of have to like diversify yourself when it comes to social media so you can get in touch with those people. (laughs) Right. I think it's like, it's, it's kind of like learning what each one can be used for and Mm -hmm. then using it in that way. Right. It's like, I, I think people are trying to use like one platform for everything and 
that's just not how it's how it's supposed to be done. Right. And like, I am no social media, <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I don't have like tons of followers, but I, right. I at least um, I understand that like, Instagram and Facebook and, and, you know, YouTube, things like that. It's, it's meant for uh, building your brand and it, right. and it is a great way to, to access uh, companies and people and mm-hmm. um, audiences that, you know, wouldn't have been possible before. But I think LinkedIn is, is completely different. Um, and, you know, it's just like knowing, knowing that, like knowing that difference and uh, yeah. utilizing each one um, for those purposes. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, like um, when it comes to social media, yeah, like even the way that you write posts, like you, you're supposed to write them differently for each platform because certain things, you know, certain things work on certain platforms and certain things don't. Like when it comes to hashtags, mm-hmm. they only work on certain platforms, like other platforms, eh, not so much, like you don't even use them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it's kind of like learning that and then like learning about trends on TikTok and, you know, with reels and stuff. Yeah. Like there's so much, like you could literally spend your whole life, like trying to figure all that out. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's too much almost. It's almost like an overload. Um, and so I, mm-hmm. I get why some people like get overwhelmed with social media. Cause they're like, I feel like I have to be on everything because, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're supposed to be on like a bunch of different platforms, but I always recommend like, don't go over three because then you're going to like completely like you're just going to like be so overwhelmed. You're not going to want to do it. And it's like, be on three, but make sure there's one that you spend like more time on. And then like the other two is kind of like, yeah, you're on it, but you're not like putting all your time and effort into it. Cause it's like, yeah, like I couldn't do more than the three that I have right now. Like it's yeah, Facebook, Twitter, good advice. And Instagram and that's it. Like people have told me like, well, why don't you be on TikTok? Like you probably have a ton of followers. Yeah. But I would have to do video content every day. That's exhausting. Like, I'm sorry, but like Mm -hmm. even the reels that I try to do, like reels take a long time, like just to do a minute, you would think that that wouldn't take very long, but it does because when you have to edit and put things together and stuff, that takes a lot of time. And if you don't have the time to do that, it's like, you know, um, you know, I've got to do something else. Like, and that's, that's just not me. TikTok is very time consuming. And some people just don't have the time to do that. But there's people that that's all they do is TikTok because that's all they have time for. Cause they don't have time for any other social media platforms. Yeah. So it's like, you got to find that balance yeah. for you, you know, <laughs> before you, I mean, mm-hmm. you drive yourself crazy doing all the things. Yeah, absolutely. Takes a lot of time for each one. Yeah. And on top of that, it's like you still have other things to do with your life. Like you can't just be on social media (laughs) all day. right? So it's like, um, what am I going to do? And I know you can schedule stuff out, but you still have to take the time to sit there and make the content, you know? So, yeah. And I think for, for us, like, for us like introverted people it's it's just kind of weird to like 
have the camera in the face, like, yeah. you know, talking all the time and um, <laughs> putting out content, like with, you know, uh, us just being completely involved and mm -hmm. talking and showing, uh, you know, our faces, our personal lives, everything. It's just kind of a weird, like life change, I guess yeah. uh, that, you know, I think we're all getting more and more comfortable with like revealing things that normally like, you know, 20, 30 years ago would have been very private, but people mm -hmm. are getting more and more open with everything. So it's, yeah, it's interesting how, how social media has kind of changed that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think it's good and bad sometimes because it's like, um, it's good because it's starting to normalize a lot of things that I feel that we consider taboo, like mental health and things like that, you know, that's starting to become mm -hmm. more normalized talking about it, which is something that should have been talked about a long time ago, but that's always been like a very taboo subject. But then it's mm -hmm. also bad because then a lot of people expect you to be, to give them like all of like all of you and like not keep, things private. Um, and so I feel it almost puts a lot of pressure on people because then people automatically assume that you owe them all, right. like, all this content about your personal life. So it, yeah, it's like a weird balance that you have to try and find. Um, but for me personally, I'm introverted too. Like, with a camera in front of my face all day, that's exhausting. Like I couldn't do it. Like doing interviews, it's fine. But like, I can like the most I can possibly do is two a day before I'm exhausted. I'm drained. Like I can't, you know, I can't do it. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why I don't do a lot of video content of myself is because I don't like really being in front of a camera. And I get that it does better like reels and all that stuff do really well. Um, and I notice mm -hmm. when I show my face for some reason, those posts get way more reach, you know, but it's for me, oh, yeah. it's just, it's <laughs> just harder for me because it's like, um, yeah, you know, it's like that, I guess it's more of like an insecurity, um, to constantly have, you know, a camera in my face like all the time like uh, i just can't do it yeah and i think it's just like because i completely like connect with you on that mm -hmm. i think it's just unnatural it, yeah to me it feels like right um to to like be constantly looking at yourself all day long like that's not normal right <laughs> this exactly. is that was never normal <laughs> yeah um and so you know, I think it's just, it's just not natural for us to be kind of like, so, um, I don't know what, what the word would be, but, um, self-involved kind of like, yeah, it's just with the, like the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just kind of a, a big, like part of social media that comes with it, um, yeah. that people don't realize is, you kind of have to be more in my, it seems like you have to be more of that like extroverted, um, outgoing personality who like loves to talk to people and the camera, um, mm -hmm. and is very comfortable with that, um, finds that, you know, sort of natural, right. <laughs> I guess, but that is 
that is not me. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do feel sometimes it does, it does put a lot of pressure on people that are introverted, like you and you and me, you know, cause it's like, well, yeah. we kind of know that that's kind of like, what's gonna really boost, like, you know, our social media presence and stuff, but it almost feels overwhelming because it's like, well, I don't want to constantly have a camera in front of my face all the time or constantly have to, you know, video myself or edit, do all these things because it's very time consuming. Um, and it's like, you know, we have lives outside of social media. And, and that's also why, like, I'm very adamant about not editing my podcast because it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like so professional that I'm literally editing out like everything because a lot of people do that. Like they edit out the ums, uhs, everything. No, I don't do that because that's exactly how I talk. Like if I'm going to talk to you, like, right. you know, face to face, I say that, like, I don't, it, it doesn't matter where I am. Even if like, even when I've done public speaking, I do it. Like, I don't, it's just how I've naturally talked forever. So I'm not going to edit mm-hmm. that out. Cause then that's not me anymore. Like, I feel people have gotten so comfortable with editing out things or like filtering things, like using filters, doing all that stuff that nobody really knows what's real and what's not. I mean, it, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. even getting to that point with AI, like sometimes you can't tell what's real and what's not. Um, and I don't Mm -hmm. want that. Like, I don't, I I feel like I need to be 100% authentic. And for me to be authentic, that's not me editing anything. Because your life isn't edited. Mm-hmm. You can't go and edit stuff out like when you do things wrong or whatever, right? Like, I mean, we just have to keep going. Like, we can't be like, oh, wait, let me stop. I'm going to edit this out real quick. You know, you can't do it. So yeah. why would I do it on social media, right? Like, that's the way mm-hmm. I feel about it. It's like you're trying to cut things out of your life that are really there just because you don't want people Mm -hmm. to see it. And it's like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, it's (laughs) like, it's the craziest thing. Cause it's like, we get so caught up in all of that or like filters. Cause it's like a weird perception of beauty and everything like, right. And I don't know. I feel it just causes more people like, honestly, it messes with your mental health. Cause it's like, people start to assume that that's how everything's supposed to be or like that's what we're supposed to look like and i don't know like i feel it i feel that's part of the reason why we have such a problem with mental health is because people are not showing the real stuff that's happening they're hiding behind filters and editing and i don't i don't like that it's like nope just be me, you know, like, and that's the whole point. It's like, people want you to be real, right? Be real. And I think, I do think that's one good thing about social media is that for the racing community, people are starting to see a lot more of things that they couldn't see like on television or they couldn't see, you know, even at races, like seeing a lot of the behind the scene things that you guys do, I think helps because it's like, people don't realize Mm -hmm. how, like how intense it is, like how much you guys train, all the things that you do. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of drivers showing all of that behind the scenes has helped people like relate more with, with drivers because it's like, oh, well, so they 
like they really work their asses off like you know because a lot of people just believe y'all just go around in circles and that's about it or like if you do go on a road course like oh you know you're just making little turns no big deal but it's not it's like way more physically like like it takes a lot more physical strength than people people know and i think that i think that also helps because it's like, oh, well, you guys do like all this stuff before even a race day, right? And so, you yeah. know, and yeah, I think that helps. Yeah, I wish I could like show a picture of like me getting out of the car. And I'm just like beat red, but that's <laughs> pretty much every time. It's, uh, I don't know how many times like at school and things I was told like racing requires like no you know, physical effort mm -hmm. and race car drivers are athletes. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not here to like convince you of anything, but right. at the same time, I don't understand how you would ever presume to know that if you haven't done it. Right. Um, or, or like experienced it or seen it, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I think people are, are definitely surprised. Um, and, you know, when they just, experience it, it to some capacity uh because yeah i mean i think just the fact that it's so hot is <laughs> uh is you know probably the most difficult aspect yeah. of you know of everything because it makes everything more stressful whether it's like the mental aspect of it or the physical it just kind of brings everything up you know a few a few levels um and at least i think so so um, yeah, it's definitely something that I can't just like do without preparing for. That's for sure. Right. Like, and yeah, I don't think people realize how hot it gets in those fire suits. Like you guys are like dying in things. Like the first <laughs> time, like my husband had me put on his fire suit one time, um, because it was like really, it was really, really cold at a race. Cause we were actually, it was actually in the middle of October, like the end of October. And obviously that's insanity that we're even still racing at the end of October here because <laughs> it gets really cold. And so he's like, Hey, you know, cause he wasn't racing cause it was like a three day weekend thing and he was done. And he's like, Hey, why don't you put on my fire suit? You know, cause it'll keep you warm. Oh my God. I wasn't in that mm -hmm. thing 10 minutes and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Like I was like trying to rip it off of me. Cause I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm sweating to death already. And he's like, yeah, imagine being in that thing for hours. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys are not dying from heat strokes. Like it's, it's insane. And we get and, like, close. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you guys could be passing out from like heat exhaustion and all that kind of stuff. Just being in the fire suit for five minutes. I was like, I don't know how you do this. And so, yeah, like, um, it's, it's like, I get why <laughs> you guys wear them, but man, like, uh, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be in that thing for five minutes. And I was like, already, I'm like, it's so hot in this thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm in this all the time. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just crazy, but you know, but I mean, when you see, when you see the fire suits, they look, they look like they're thin material, you know, from far away, mm -hmm. but they, but I don't think people realize like how thick of the material is underneath, you know? And it, yeah, it's, oh gosh, just insanity. Like I, I, I told him, I don't know how he does it. 
um, being in that fire suit, it's like, I don't know how any of you do it. Like, I don't know how people have passed (laughs) out from like heat stroke or something. Um, you never hear about it with race car drivers. And I'm like, I don't know how, because it's like, that thing is always extremely hot, but yeah. And then you guys are Mm -hmm. driving around in, in that car in that fire suit for God knows how long. And then especially if it's hot, very hot that day. So you guys have heat coming at you and then you also have that fire suit. Yeah. No, like you have to be a very disciplined person and you have to be able to like deal with all of that. Like not just anybody can do. And I even told my husband, I said, literally like race drivers, the race car drivers are like a, they're just like a totally different breed because the stuff that you guys do and the elements that you guys are put in, you know, just to make that work is, you know, it's just something that I had never experienced before because I wasn't into racing until I met my husband. So I knew nothing about racing at all. And, uh, and seeing him do it and being around, people, the motorsport community for 18 years now, it's like people that do this, like you guys are like completely, like literally completely different human beings. Like, honestly, I, I literally consider you guys superhumans because the, the stuff you guys put your bodies through on a, on a regular basis is insanity. Like, but in a good way though, like I'm just saying like not everybody and like not regular people cannot do this. Like it's something that only certain people can do because it's not simple. Like I wish you could take every single person that says that, Oh, racing's nothing that you guys are not real athletes and get in a fire suit for 10 minutes and get in a car and try to do like even two laps. They probably die. Like they literally be like trying to get out the car and they're probably puking their guts out. Because it's true, like it, it, it that, and then also depending on how fast you're going, you know, just the the you know the forces, you know, the g forces, the things like that, you know, up against you, they, most people could not handle that. Like they don't realize, you know, um, like how fast you guys go and how much it actually puts stress on your body when you're doing that. Because I mean, you're you know, you're going at weird speed speeds that most people don't go. Um, and yeah, like, I don't, I don't think people realize like how much it takes a toll on your bodies. Oh, and then especially if you wreck, I mean, you know, that, that too. Yeah. Like, I had a, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had a moment with, uh, myself like a, a month ago or something. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, it's crazy how much, like we put ourselves through just to like go around on some asphalt for an hour to be the first one that crosses the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, just the, um, the, the physical like stress mm-hmm. and then also just the, the mental stress of everything yeah. at the track and away from the track. And of course we, we love it. Right. That's why mm-hmm. we do it is because we have like this unconditional love for it. Um, right. that like for me personally, I just couldn't find in any other sport. And I tried a bunch of sports, um, you know, when I was young and mm-hmm. like this sport was just 
different um, in, I don't know, the, the way that I just, I guess connected with it. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, um, it was just definitely different than all the other sports I had experienced before that. And so, yeah, it it is definitely crazy what, (laughs) what we do for our love for racing. Um, cause (laughs) yeah, people don't realize it, but the, the fire like retardant material is, is very, very hot and there's nothing that people can do to, to change that because yeah. they've tried plenty of ways but mm-hmm. really the only thing is to try to like put band-aids on it by you know having a fan blowing into the yeah. helmet or having a cool shirt or drinking cold water mm-hmm. you know there's some ways that they can try to um to kind of fix that but the the material yeah. that the safety gear has to be made out of and not even the fire suit but also the shirt and the mm-hmm. pants underneath the fire suit um is all made out of this very like thick material that is just so hot (laughs) um so yeah it's (laughs) i wish i wish that could change but (laughs) (laughs) right yeah (laughs) they've tried everything they can yeah but i mean it's what protects you guys and i mean that there's only so much they can do with that and i'm sure yeah i mean because the thing is it's like you know they've come a long way with safety because before people would just jump into race cars with no fire suit and just hope for the best, you know, like and no helmet. Yeah. And yeah just, so <laughs> I mean, I think we've come a long way. It's like, it's better to just be hot. We have than to, yeah. you know, just like end up God knows like what could end up happening to you. You know, if we wouldn't have any of the safety stuff that we have today, um, unfortunately, you know, back then it's like, they kind of had to go through all that for us to get the safety stuff that we have today. I mean, I hate to say it, right. it's horrible, but unfortunately that's what created the safety equipment because mm-hmm. something happened and that's what, that's when they're like, oh, okay, well, everybody has to wear this or everybody has to use this because we can't have that again. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it takes somebody, you know, going through something, either dying or, you know, just getting severely injured where they can't even race again to get things changed. I mean, I hate that for the sport, unfortunately, because it's like it has to be something tragic for for safety to change. But but yeah, we've I mean, we've come a long way um, with with all motorsport, really. I mean, even in the past 10 years, I mean, things have changed safety wise and, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you have way less people, you know, getting severely injured. I mean, it still happens, but it doesn't happen as often as what it used to be. Um, and so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's like, you kind of have to just like take whatever they give you. Cause it's like, Hey, would I rather just be really hot for an hour or would I want to like burn? Right. Cause it's like, that's the whole point right. is to keep you from, you know, getting fuel or anything like that on your actual body. And so, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I think I'd rather just be hot for an hour or two than, you know, mm-hmm. have like second degree burns or something like that. You know, I mean, that's way worse. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think like, yeah, I think a lot of people, they just have to experience like racing to be able to understand it. It's like, I didn't mm-hmm. understand it until I finally went to my first race and I got to see everything, like not just being a regular spectator, like actually going in the pits and seeing what people do. Um, I think until you have more people that are willing to do that, it's all, there's always going to be people that are going to be like, oh, well, you guys don't do anything. Like you just get in a car yeah. and you just go around in circles. Well, yeah, because what you that see on TV, right? What you see on TV is after all the preparation, you're not seeing everything that goes on behind the scenes. And it's like, if you saw all that and you, you know, you were able to immerse yourself in that, it's like, it would be different. And people would, I think would have a different perspective. Um, that's why like my husband and I, we always try to get people that have never been to a race to a race drive. Like, even if it's just one time, because then it's like, Mm -hmm. they get to see why we are in it the way that we are in it. Right. And they get to see why Mm -hmm. we love the sport as much as we do. Um, and yeah, and I think, I think that's pretty much what it is. It's like, if you can bring that awareness to people, um, and they can see more of the behind the scenes stuff, whether that's on social media or whether that's them physically going to a race and seeing it firsthand. I think, I think it will change like a lot of people's perspective on, on all of it. I agree. Yeah. I think, um, like you were talking about earlier, the social media aspect, uh, there's, there's a lot of downfalls to social media, but there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of positives. And, um, I think like you were talking about that kind of behind the scenes is really intriguing to (laughs) a lot of people. Um, and it is to me, of course, to forms of racing that I've like never experienced or seen in person. Like I've never been to an F1 race and um, just seeing the kind of what goes into each race and all those teams and all the work put in. Um, it's very interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, just the engineering of the cars as well. That's all uh, very, very interesting to learn about. So, yeah, I think that's what people gets people more involved and excited about racing is like when they feel like they can understand it and like they know what's going on and they have like a more personal connection to it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it, it, it creates more of a personal connection. Um, and I think that something that um, w- before social media was a lot harder to create because um, you know, depend because before social media, a lot of people, you know, unless you knew of a local track, you know, or you were already immersed in the motorsport community, you know, that was your only way of knowing. Um, mm-hmm. like, and I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure it's different in, in many different places, but like here in Louisiana, like we don't have a ton of tracks. We don't have a lot of tracks. We only have one asphalt track you know, one road course track, and then we have mainly dirt. Well, the problem is here, a lot of the dirt tracks do not advertise. They don't. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that have no idea that there's, that there are racetracks around here. Um, it's funny because like when my husband, because we have open trailer, when we pull the, the trailer, like if we stop at like a gas station or whatever, 
people will ask us, they're like, Hey, where are you racing at? Like, and we tell them cause like Baton Rouge raceway is like our closest track. And they're like, that place is still open. I didn't even know it was still open because like that, because it's been open like, gosh, since like the late seventies or early eighties, you know, but a lot of people didn't realize that people still race there every weekend because they never advertise anything. So people thought it had been closed all this time. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these local tracks, they don't advertise. They don't try to get people to come out. And, you know, it's like, that sucks because it's like, you know, you want people to know that you're still here because you want people to come out. It's like, you shouldn't have to depend on your drivers to be the word of mouth. Right. Um, and yeah, a lot of them do that. And so like, you know, you don't really have people showing up. Like these races tend to have like no spectators and you know, it's just the people in the pits, right. Like that are going up in the, in the grandstands. And yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's just like, I feel that a lot of, um, like with social media, social media helps for sure because it can get people, you know, to these tracks and stuff that normally don't know about things because, you know, most of them are not going to do it locally, like on a, you know, on a more, I would say like normal level, like outside of social media, like they're not going to do radio. They're not going to do, you know, newspaper. They're not going to do any of that. Cause I mean, most people don't even try to do, (laughs) you know, the old school type of marketing anymore. So yeah. So it's like, you know, you'd have, you have to pretty much use social media. Cause that's like the only way that, you know, people are going to even really know that a lot of these places exist. So. Yeah. I've been to many, many tracks mm-hmm. where I'm like visiting kind of the local yeah. like city or town. And, and so many people will have no clue that there's a track 10 miles down the street. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just like, man the <laughs> the awareness um right. <laughs> needs to go up for for racing uh yeah. i think nationwide it seems like it's a, an epidemic of <laughs> you know people just like not knowing um all these cool tracks that they could go to locally yeah. um you know and they would have so much fun i think uh yeah. if they knew about it <laughs> yeah because there's a lot of people that have even asked my husband you know he that that he works with they're like oh that place is so open i didn't even know i used to go there as a kid and i had no idea it was even still open like oh i'm gonna come to one of your races just let me know when it is like there's a lot of people that would be willing to go it's just they don't know that it's even, like these tracks are open and these tracks don't really promote anything um, and yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Cause it's like, you definitely want like your local, um, you know, local base to be bigger. Cause I mean, it's like these people literally live down the road. <laughs> like, well, of course they could easily right. go, go to the track like every weekend if they wanted to. But if you're not even promoting to the people that live, that live 10 minutes from you, like you're definitely not going to promote to people that live you know, even a state over, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, like I feel that that's definitely something that a lot of people uh, need to be aware of. And, you know, you have a lot of drivers, you know, that's all they do is they go to their local track. They don't, you know, they don't venture Mm -hmm. outside of that. 
And it's like, you know, if you're not, if you're not promoting and your track eventually starts losing people, right. Losing revenue and stuff. And you have to shut down. Those people have no place to go. Um, and Mm -hmm. we're, we're literally falling into that problem here. Um, because we've had a lot of tracks shut down. So we don't really have many tracks to go to. (laughs) There's literally like where we live, there was only two tracks that were like close enough. There's only, so right now there's only one that's open. The other one, they're only open for like big events every now and then if somebody's willing to sponsor it. And then the other one is shut down for maintenance. So there's only one track we can go to and they only race every other week. So we're not racing all the time and all the other tracks are too far. Um, they're, most of them are anywhere from five to six hours away. And, you know, there's just no way we can do that. So, yeah, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it, it's, an, it's something that I think a lot of people kind of go through. It's like, you know, we need more tracks to bring awareness and actually like promote their stuff and help stay open, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, then it makes it harder for like these smaller drive drivers to be able to raise every weekend. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, um, but no, I'm glad that you are able to have the career that you have. And obviously you're going to have, I mean, your career is just growing. I mean, obviously now that you're going to be in the MZ development program, that's going to obviously help, you know, catapult your career into a different direction. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy for you because we need more women in that division. Anyway, we need more women that are, you know, that are able to really build their racing careers and make a name for themselves. Um, and we don't have enough, (laughs) you know, I don't think we could ever have Mm -hmm. enough because there's always going to, there's always more men than, than women anyway, Mm -hmm. in most sports. Um, and so I'm glad that you're able to do this at such a young age. Um, and you're able to like really start making a name for yourself. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what else you can, what else you do, um, you know, going forward. And so do you have like any, any specific races that you've got, you know, coming up like the, like during the summer and like, I don't like, you know, I'm sure well, here we race until October, but you know, I know in different areas, you know, you don't race as long. So I'm not really sure like how long your racing season is in North Carolina, but, um, I know here, yeah, it's until October. So. Yeah. So our next event is Mm -hmm. Watkins Glen on June 22nd to 24th. And, um, the season ends in October, I believe. Okay. And so we'll, we'll be racing, um, up until then. And then I'll probably do a little bit of legend car racing towards the year, the end of the year as well. Um, so there's no, no off season okay, for me. Cause the no legend car, <laughs> yeah. Cause the legend car stuff, um, we race in the winter. So, mm. uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's basically our plan. And then all of the races are televised, um, on racer.com and imza.tv for anybody wanting to watch. Um, 
So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. I was, I wasn't sure. Cause I know in some places they like their racing seasons, like really short, like three months and like, cause I know in Minnesota it is cause, um, somebody I had on the, um, Samantha, her husband's a sprint car driver up there and they only have three months. That's it. Like they have to get all their racing in, in, in three months because, well, cause is that kind you know, of the winter? Way too, huh? Yeah, because is that because of the winter? Yeah, because of their winter, so they only get three months wow. of racing, and that's it. And then sometimes they don't even start on time because she said this year she didn't think they were going to start on time because when I, you know, when I interviewed her, they were still having like winter temperatures and like the ice hadn't even melted yet for them to even start prepping the dirt track. And they were supposed to start, they were supposed to start, I think at the, I think at the beginning of this month was when they were supposed to start their racing season. And I don't even know, I don't know if they were able to start it on time or not because the ice and stuff still hadn't melted. So yeah, like they, they have problems with, with the ice melting in time sometimes. So it, it'll even Mm -hmm. cut their it'll even cut their racing season down to sometimes two months and that's it. So yeah, when she told me that I was so shocked because I'm like, we start, we start at the end of March and then we race until October, the end of October, literally like Halloween is like around that time when we stop. And yeah, she's like, Oh no, we, we barely get three months. I'm like, wow. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I knew obviously up there, they have every season here. We don't like, we pretty much have summer and then like might be kind of fall ish, but that's it. Like it's so hot down here. So like we can race a lot longer, but I didn't realize that like, I mean, they don't even, they barely get two months of racing sometimes up there. And I'm like, crazy. that's crazy. With all the money that you spend to be a race car driver and you only get maybe three months of racing. And then if, you know, if it rains or something like that, you can't race. So that even cuts it even further down. Like, yeah. They have to travel elsewhere. Yeah. They if do. they wanted to race other times. They do <laughs> travel. Um, they try to like go like they go to like North Dakota and South Dakota. They, you know, they kind of like travel outside. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the fact that they even have to do that because it's like, (laughs) they wouldn't raise, they would barely raise a a couple months and then they'd be done. Um, yeah. So they do, they do travel sometimes. Um, so they can get more racing in. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's why I was like, yeah, I mean, with you being in North Carolina, you guys don't have, uh, you guys don't have that bad of a winter. Um, not like that where you guys can't race for like a, a long time, but yeah, I wasn't sure like how far out you guys go. Like if you race into like October and stuff, cause I know this starts to get cold and you guys actually have a winter up there. Not like here. <laughs> so yeah. 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 And like the, honestly, I, even living in North Carolina, I don't do the majority of my racing, I think is spent actually in other states. So mm-hmm. like the MX five cup series, like we started in January in mm-hmm. Florida. So, oh yeah. Um, 
because you can pretty much race in Florida all year, <laughs> year round. In Florida, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's why they plan that you know to have those those particular places at the <laughs> beginning and ends of the year, and then like the harder places in the middle of the year. So right, yeah. and that makes sense because due to like weather and stuff, it's like you know, oh, if we're going to be racing up north, we can't be racing anywhere close to the winter months right because obviously you mm-hmm. know harsher winters yeah so no that makes sense and yeah florida you can pretty much run all year round i mean florida doesn't really even mm-hmm. have a winter like i don't even think they know what that is <laughs> be honest. right it's, like- it's actually best to race in florida at you know the beginning months mm-hmm. uh and not in the middle of the year that's definitely yeah. ideal um it, it is miserable to mm-hmm. race in florida in summer oh yeah no i would not recommend that <laughs> yeah um then you're in a fire suit on top of that yeah no yeah I yeah can't. that was i have raced in florida like a few times and one of them it was it was like unbearably hot and mm-hmm. um like the air is like stagnant and there's like yeah. no breeze <laughs> and <laughs> and it's just like so humid and mm-hmm. oh man it was it was a horrible <laughs> uh yeah. experience i feel like i couldn't breathe because it was so hot and humid yeah um, so i'm i'm glad that we we raced towards the beginning of the year and right. <laughs> yeah and and the thing is and it's crazy because you would think with us living in the south that we could handle florida most people in the South can't even handle Florida's heat. Like their humidity is on a totally different level. Like we get pretty bad humidity here. When we went to Florida, cause we went to Orlando. Well, we went to Daytona and Orlando cause we went to Daytona Speedway for the NASCAR race. And yeah, in the summer, that was like the most miserable time I ever had. I was like, we are never doing this again because it was so hot, literally like all our stuff, anything that I had in bags melted, like all my makeup melted, Mm -hmm. everything was melted. Uh, I was like, and it was just so miserable, miserable. Um, Because like you said, there's like no breeze, like you, nothing, like it's just stale. And yeah, no, (laughs) I tell my husband, I'm like, "I I don't think I can do this because like, of course, you know, kids were like, well, you know, can we go to like Disney World one time? I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to even handle that because it's nothing but concrete. Like they don't have like, you know, there's really not much grass and like with the concrete and the heat just coming off the concrete. I don't know. Cause we tried SeaWorld and yeah, my husband and I were like, never again, we can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't made, like we were there for, I think like only so many hours we thought we had been there all day because we were just so miserable like we had been there i think like three hours and we were like no like we're going home like my kids were miserable they were like we're going home like can we go home like we went home a day early because it was just so (laughs) hot and then also like rain comes out of nowhere like rain just shows up randomly and like it could be it could be like raining on just another street and then it's not raining on the other one. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Florida's just, it's just totally different. I was like, man, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. And like, no hate to people that live in Florida, but their weather is <laughs> so 
unpredictable and it's just so hot down there. And I'm like, I like, I know it's hot here in Louisiana, but man, it's nowhere near what Florida has. Like their humidity is just so weird. I've never experienced something like that. So yeah, the fact that you guys are doing yeah. it in January is great because at least you might have some breeze coming through every now and then and you're not miserable because <laughs> and during the summer there, I don't see how people do it. Like, I, I guess that's why, you know, people try to stay around water all the time out there because you have to. It's like, there's no way I could be just anywhere near a concrete jungle out there. That would be the most miserable thing ever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I people live close to the water because no, um, but yeah. So yeah, Watkins Glen is going to be your next thing. So honestly, Watkins, I, I like, I love Watkins Glen. I like that track. Like, you know, um, when it comes to road course tracks like that one and like Sonoma, um, those are some really cool looking tracks. So I always ask this to every driver. What, what do you think would be your favorite racetrack that you've ever, that you've ever driven on and why? Mine would have to be Sonoma, uh, because it's technically, it was my home track mm-hmm. when I lived in, uh, well, my dad lived in Vallejo and my mom lived in Corte Madera, so the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And Sonoma was right there. And it's just like, I think it taught me a lot um, because it's so, it's got so much like very variation. Mm-hmm. And every turn seems to be completely different than the one before it. And it, it, it really, it has like every form of, <laughs> you know, a corner that, it really like teaches you uh, so much um, as a driver and it's so much fun too. Like the elevation changes. um, It's just, it was a blast to race on Sonoma when I, you know, first started racing cars um, against the, you know, the amazing drivers that I grew up watching. And so it's a special place to me that's for sure i hope i get to race on it one day like with uh you know with Enza or something i hope that they go there uh right. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing that would be a dream come true but um yeah i would have to say sonoma oh uh, yeah no that's a good track to pick too and like you mentioned the elevation thing like i think that's i think that's one of the coolest things about sonoma um is how like the elevation changes Um, and not just that, I mean, just seeing like just the scenery around Sonoma make, you know, to me, I, I think that's one of the best parts about the track It's just where it's at and what it looks like, you know, um, because, you know, and I know that's not what most people go there for, you know, most people just go there to just watch the race and stuff. But to me, like, I think like the scenery just makes it even better, you know? Um, being able to see it is, it is beautiful. Yeah. It's a, it's a really beautiful area and you get to see all of that plus sea racing. So I feel like, you know, it, it just makes for a perfect place. Um, and I mean, but I mean, who doesn't like Sonoma anyway, like it's just a beautiful area, you know? Um, 
And mm-hmm. yeah, I love to go to Sonoma. Like that, that's, that's one track that I would really like to go to. Um, just to be out West again, I actually, um, I actually grew up in, um, in Ventura, Ventura, uh, oh. that way. Um, you know, but, uh, I left, we left when I was like, uh, oh gosh, I was, I was young. I mean, I was like four, I think when we left, but yeah, but like just, um, just seeing like old pictures of like the, of the area and stuff. Like I would, yeah, just being able to go back out to California and to be able to like go to different tracks out there would be, you know, something that I want to do. Cause it's not like my family, like, you know, was in a racing. So yeah, race tracks was never a thing, but just seeing that and the like Laguna Seca, you know, all of those, like, I, I like to go see them one time, you know, at least. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely recommend those tracks for like a, a bucket list racing yeah. a racing bucket list right actually <laughs> uh, yeah it's a good I've experience created one i've created a bucket list and um and That's yeah awesome. the those those are definitely like when it comes to road courses those are definitely on the list um silverstone is one i'd like to, you know if i ever get out the country like that would be one i want to go to mm-hmm. monaco because it's just Monaco, like I, you know, I'd want to go there. <laughs> Everyone wants to go there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Monza, Monza's one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, just that would just give me an excuse to go to Italy. That that's really the you know <laughs> that's really one of the main things. But also, I mean, I think it's a, a great tra- track. But the fact that it's in Italy, period, I'd want to go. Um, but yeah, though, I mean, those are. And then obviously just to be able to go to the Japanese Grand Prix, um, just to be able to go to Japan. Cause like I, I've always wanted to go to Japan, but yeah, to see the Japanese Grand Prix, Grand Prix would be good, be a good thing to be able to see. But yeah. So mm-hmm. like just travel, go all over the place. But I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want to do that? Like travel all over the world and go to racetracks and, and see, you know, whether it's F1 or, or any, you know, any type of racing on those tracks, um, you know, just seeing any of that, it would be amazing to do. So, yeah, but no, um, I'm so glad you were able to come on. Um, I know, um, obviously people need to be able to follow your journey. And so we'll definitely link like your website and your social media links, um, so everybody can follow you and, you know, make sure that they go see you race, you know, um, you've got quite a few races coming up. And so, you know, we'll link all of those in the description and I'm so glad you were able to come on and share your story and, and be able to, you know, let people know who you are and, you know, and obviously good luck with the IMSA development program. And obviously I know we'll, we'll be seeing a lot more of you. <laughs> because obviously with that opportunity, you know, you'll be able to really, you know, build your racing career and we'll, we'll definitely see a lot more of you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on and I enjoyed our, our conversation today about some interesting uh, <laughs> aspects of racing that, you know, maybe some people who are, are just race fans, maybe 
don't realize. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope I can come back on soon and, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I'm always down to have guests come back because that means that (laughs) you liked our conversation enough that you actually want to come back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, no. So I'm always down for, um, for guests to come back. So yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll do that. Hey guys. So that is it. I hope you enjoyed Heather's story. I know I did. And she was such a lovely uh, guest to have and an amazing person. And obviously she has so many things that she's doing right now and she has going for, you know, just going for herself. And so I definitely want to congratulate her on being a part of the Emza driver development program. Like I mentioned, that is not an easy feat to do. And so for her to be you know, chosen, um, is an amazing thing. So, um, definitely check out her website and all her social media links so you can follow her journey. And, um, and yeah, so next week, you know, we will have another guest. Um, that's pretty much how this is going to go. Uh, guys, um, I am literally booked out until the, until the middle of October. So, Um, we are going to be having guests literally every week and starting in September, we will go to two episodes a week. So episodes will come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, um, these will all be guests. Um, you know, I have so many people that are wanting to be on the podcast, which is a great thing, but I don't want to push out anybody's interviews, um, past December, which is why I am moving the podcast to two episodes a week starting in September. Because once December hits, I don't want to be, you know, putting out interviews that are months old. Um, so that that's why I'm trying to make sure that uh, we'll have obviously more relevant content and um, and you never know, like I might take a break during the holidays. So, you know, so I definitely might just come back with a, with a new, uh, practically a new season starting in, um, starting in January. So I, I've been doing this guys every single week, um, since December. And so December 22nd of this year, we'll make our one year, you know, one year that we've been doing this. And so I'm excited about it. I want to be able to do something really special for that episode. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm not sure if we're actually going to have, um, a guest on that one or not. We might have multiples. I'm not sure. Uh, I will figure it out, but I want to do something a little bit different for that episode since it is my, uh, my, when I make my year. Right. So yeah, so that's it guys. Um, hope that you, uh, tune in next week. Um, as mentioned, you all, you can always like, um, rate and subscribe to the podcast, um, on Apple or Spotify or wherever you, you know, whatever, whatever platform you use, 
Um, and definitely if you are liking the content and want, you know, want us to know, you know, what you think, uh, definitely leave a review. Um, you can leave a review on Apple. So, uh, that's it guys until next week. Take care.